0: Wormwood, I trust your mission to sow misery and distrust among the humans. Proceeding the pace, this political season, soon we'll have complete. Uh,
1: hello. Can you hear me? Am I on mute?
0: What? Yes, I can hear you.
1: Hello. Screw tape. Wormwood. Screw tape. Wormwood, can you hear me? It's working. I can hear you, good grief. Somehow this is even worse than those really long letters you used to write me,
0: Screwtape. Yes, well, when we hire ranking demons decided to marshal all the forces of hell to invent video chat, we didn't anticipate just how much headache and exhaustion it would cause.
1: An enormous success. Uh, now, what were you saying? Never mind it,
0: how was the patient's family dinner?
1: It was excellent, Uncle. Nothing but a series of long, loud, and raging arguments. A true delight.
0: You will remember I once counseled you to avoid leading the humans into arguments as it left too much room for them to reason with each other. But these days, nothing could be further from the truth.
1: Indeed. Our father below has done excellent work in reclaiming arguments. You should have seen it, Uncle. Conspiracies about the virus rants about dark money, and the demise of democracy, they were fueled by so much anger they barely even listened to one another.
0: Which pushed them into even more extreme positions, I imagine. Right.
1: But now they're all siloed up online, and to be honest, I'm rather bored. The only fun anymore is cartoons and memes.
0: They must be made to feel they're part of a team, Wormwood. And not just any team, but the good team the winning team. I suggest you turn politics into a team sport. It must become about scoring points for your side rather than addressing any real concerns.
1: Which team do we want them on then?
0: Oh, we can work with everyone, nephew. We just need them to believe their team's viewpoints are so Obviously correct, that any truly compassionate, intelligent person would agree with them, and that everyone else is either stupid or selfish.
1: But how can they maintain these views after spending time together? When they get to know each other, they inevitably start empathizing. Ugh.
0: Empathy? No! Here is the key. Have them consume information that represents the furthest fringe of the opposite viewpoint. Then, let the fringe represent every other person in the same party. So, when they are in the same room, they no longer see a complex person, they see a caricature.
1: Nuance is a dying concept, right?
0: Indeed. I do love November. The humans tear each other apart. <laughs> Delightful.
1: To partisan politics. To
0: partisan <laughs> politics.
1: Uncle? Uh, you're cutting up again.
0: Uh, you can't hear me. S- screw you can't hear me at all.
1: Hello? Hello? This really is awful.
2: Well done. Good morning, Woodland Hills. I'm Greg Boyd, teaching pastor here at uh, Woodland Hills, and it's really uh, great to have you all joining in uh, with us on the service. Andrew, who's been going to our church for almost from the start, played Wormwood here. And I want to say, you, did it. you, you make an excellent demon. Uh, you, you did that very well. British accent and all. It was, it was great. And a certain comfort I get somehow by knowing that, learning now, that uh, even the demonic realm has trouble with technology. I, it's, it's good. I, misery loves company. It feels kind of like, to me, I was out for a walk this morning and praying, and I just it felt like last march we entered the twilight zone and and we're stuck in a kind of a post apocalyptic episode of the twilight zone and we can't get out it's uh it's been it's tough it's it, it, it's it's really tough uh now we're having i'm talking to minnesotans here uh a pretty drastic spike in uh, uh corona cases coronavirus cases and um well, that's making, you know, that, that, that makes it, for a lot of folks, it, it's just, you got to ask questions about who's in your bubble, who's not. You got to navigate that whole thing. Uh, and a lot of us are, probably all of us are experiencing pandemic fatigue, so we want to let our guard down. Uh, it's tough. Look, We'll get through this. Uh, we'll get through this together. Um, experts are saying, Man, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, It could be a really nasty long winter. Uh, Hang in there. That's all I can say is hang in there. Uh, Try to use the pain of this current moment, the loneliness of this current moment, the confusion of this current moment, the anxiety perhaps of this current moment. I encourage us to use that to drive us closer to Christ. Uh, And when you're feeling hopeless, let it drive you closer to Christ and putting all your hope in him. Uh, God can use everything to the advantage of the kingdom if we'll work with him on this. I encourage us as we're going through this long winter uh, to always be um, intentional at, at, at remembering things to be grateful for. Because if you get into a grumpy, you know, this self-talk is all about the negative, the negative, the negative. Well, that really... Um, Doesn't do you any good. Uh, Turn your mind to uh, the truth of who you are in Christ and remind yourself about your inheritance in Christ uh, and be given thanks for everything, every good gift that comes from the Father above. Um, Keep your head above the water. Stay safe. Make those tough decisions seeking God's wisdom on it. But we will get through this. And I also encourage us uh, to pray for our country. That's a biblical thing, and I, 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 I feel re- I've been remiss on encouraging us to do that. Uh, we are in tough shape right now. It, it feels like it's—sometimes it feels like we've lost our mind, if not our soul. Um, we, as the ambassadors of the kingdom of God, uh, are to do good to the city, to bless the city, and so uh, pray for peace. Pray that leaders know the way of peace. And even if you think it's hopeless, they'll never get it, we'll keep on praying. Uh, and and, and pray, pray against any kind of violence uh, that may be threatening to break out depending on how this election goes. Uh, we can't change the world, but we can influence it. And uh, uh, I encourage us to be ca- tapping into that kingdom power to bring about God's will on earth as it is in heaven. We'll get through this. So this video here that we just saw captures—it's really a profound video. You could watch that several times, and, 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 and there's just a ton of, of, of good stuff packed into that. Our, our communications team did a great job in uh, and, and putting that together. It captures the truth that there are demonic agents that exist uh, that are, have designs against us. They have strategies against us, and the strategies are always to divide us and conquer Right? That's, uh, that's, a, that, that, that's the truth. They're, they're all, we've got to always be aware that we're in an environment where there is spiritual pollution that works against us. And the Bible tells us that we're not to be ignorant about that. We're, 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 not, we're, we're supposed to, as kingdom ambassadors, uh, have our thumb on the pulse of that, to, under, to, to know what the enemy's up to in order to be able to thwart it. So Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for our sake in the presence of Christ. And we do this so that we may not be outwitted by Satan. Don't get outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs. The word there is noema. Uh, It means kind of the crafty plots, uh, sacred schemes that he has to trip us up and to divide us. I actually, right now, hadn't planned on this, but I feel like I'm supposed to stop and lead us in a prayer together for our country. I, I just feel like that's what we're supposed to do right now, and I'm trying to be sensitive to the Spirit, listen to the Spirit, and respond to the Spirit. So would you pray with me together? Uh, just join with me in your hearts and minds together. It's, we're not in the same proximity physically, but we are united spiritually, and so let's together pray. As uh, our Lord taught us, Lord, uh, we feel like we are in the middle of chaos, and we are, and we know that there's spiritual battles going on all over the place, and sometimes there's physical battles going on. We're a country that is deeply, deeply divided. But Lord, we use the authority that you've given us as the people of God to call down power from heaven to begin to heal this land. Holy Spirit, blow across this country and we pray God against all hatred, all animosity, all intentions of violence, all the judgments. Holy Spirit, we, we call on you to be a, a pervasive influence for the good, pushing back evil. And Lord, Teach us, people of God, to be humble and on our knees. That is our warfare. Where our eyes are fixed on you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. Our hope is in you. Our trust in you is in you. Our confidence is in you. Because our love is towards you. We commit ourselves to doing your work, to bring about your will on earth as it is in heaven, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So apparently in the, this uh, congregation in Corinth, there was somebody who had wronged some folks in, in, in the congregation, uh, and they would work that out and had, and had forgiven this person. And so Paul here says that if you forgive them, well, then I forgive them. For your sake, I forgive them, and in the presence of Christ, I forgive them. And what he's basically saying there is just this. He's saying, look, I, I, I trust your judgment— and I trust that, that you're following Christ's leading because Christ is always present where two or three of us are gathered together. And so what he's saying is that we're on the same page. We're in agreement on this. But we have to be careful that we're not outwitted because we're, we have to be aware of Satan's schemes. And the schemes are always about dividing and conquering. Trying to drive a wedge between Paul and the congregation or trying to drive a wedge between some people in the congregation and others who want to forgive and some who don't forgive. It's always to divide and conquer. And we are to be aware of that scheme. Now let's let's take it a a, a step deeper. I want to take a look at the first sin in the Bible, the original sin of the Bible, and that's found in Genesis 3, a passage I come back to with some regularity because I think it is so, so profound. Uh, Here's what we read, Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. So he said to the woman, "Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden?" The woman said to the serpent, "Oh, we can eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden." But God did say, "You shall not eat of the fruit that's in the of the trees in the of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Nor shall you touch it, for you shall die if you do that." But the serpent said to the woman, now he's going to give a, an alternate way of thinking about things. You're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of that tree, your eyes are going to be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And now Eve begins to be seduced. She starts to see the way the serpent wants her to see. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, ooh, ah, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise— it's the serpent told her. It's not true, but that's what the serpent told her. She took of its fruit and she ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. So here the enemy says, Did God really say? And this is at the root of all sin. It's a, it's, it's a questioning about truth. Did God really say that? Are you sure? Uh, you think God is, is, is here, that he's got your back, that he's working for your self-interest, Eve? Then he gives her this other alternative way of looking at things. Imagine this. And see, this is why we have free will. We can imagine alternative realities. And then we choose which one we're going to go at. And so he's saying, imagine. You can, you can see yourself doing better than you're doing now. You're walking with God in the cool of the day. But, but that's not what a household pet does. You could be like God. You could do better realize your potential imagine this eve can you just see what you'd be like if you had eaten and you were wise like god and 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 he appeals to her senses to do it what he's doing is he's saying he's, he's saying eve you could have there's a more preferable reality that you could be moving towards wouldn't you prefer to be wise like god you think god's got your back but in fact. He insinuates that, that God is threatened by that tree. The reason God said don't eat of that tree was because he doesn't want any competition. So he, he paints an alternative picture of God, which then leads to an alternative picture of who Eve is and what her potential is. And she eats of it, and the rest is history. He succeeds in getting Eve to believe in and then act on an alternative reality. Alternative to the reality that God created. The reality is that if you eat of this tree, you're going to die. The reality is that, that God is love. God's got your back. God's on your side. Whatever he says, he says for good reasons. Uh, the reality is that that tree will not make you wise. It'll make you stupid. It'll make you stupid. But she believes in this alternative reality, so she acts on this al- alternative reality. And all the while, he, he, he leads her by, through pleasure, uh, by, uh, through sensation. Look. The delight of the eyes. Ooh, it looks like it would taste so good. It looks like it can make us wise. It, it's, it looks so promising. That's the deception of the, of the enemy. And see, this is at the root of all sin. That's why I think this story is so profound. Um, in every sin, if you think about it, every sin presupposes an alternate reality other than the one that God says is real. Uh, every time we sin, we act as though... We act as though there was no God watching and no, no accountability. We act as though Jesus didn't die for, for our sins and we, we have unsurpassable worth. We act as though we're not children of God who are filled with his spirit and have the potential to say no to that sin. No, we, 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 we adopt an alternative reality, at least for a moment, so that we engage in the sin that we want to engage in. What we're—in doing all of this, um, we're really saying— and this is the essence of what the enemy is doing with Eve, is that uh, wouldn't you prefer this reality as opposed to that one? Doesn't this stimulate you more? Isn't this more exciting? Isn't this better than what real reality is? Or at least what you, God told you was real. And that's what we, we do the same thing every time that we sin. So we enthrone ourselves virtually as Lord. We get to define reality according to our preferences, which is really saying we're many gods. We're like God. We get to define reality. And the minute we enthrone ourselves as Lord of our own life, boss of our own life, definer of truth, well, we we end up enthroning ourselves as judge. Because, see, if you've got— one person has this alternative interpretation of things, and this person has this alternative interpretation of things, and both of them are based on their preferences, well, what happens— when your preferences collide with my preferences, or when your alternate reality uh, c- c- collides with my alternate reality, since we're both defining truth on the basis of our own preferences, we're under the deception of the, uh, of the serpent here, well, we have a collision here. And see, if, if what you call good is bad for me and what I call good is bad for you, well, then I judge you as being bad. You're not what I prefer. You're getting in the way of my preferences. And this is how the accuser, Satan the accuser, that's what he's called in the Bible, he makes us mini mini accusers. He makes us into his own image. He makes us little mini judgers. The result is that we get our life, to some degree, from from our our comparative assessment of others. It feeds us. It makes us feel good. We prefer that. We're superior. We belong to the team that is superior. Yeah. We become judges. And so you see this right in the Genesis narrative. It comes right after the part I read. Uh, first thing that happens when they eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is they judge themselves, they're embarrassed, they're ashamed. that's judgment turned inward. So they want to cover up. Then they judge God. They hide from him, which is they're saying, God is a monster. He's going to come out and get us. He's a big, bad meaning, God, because they're buying into the lie that the serpent gave them, and so they judge God. And then, when when God starts talking to them, they they continue the judgment. Adam blames Eve and God. He says, The woman that you gave me, she's the one who tripped me up. Because, see, what's good for Adam, so he thinks, what he prefers is to look less guilty. And so, the way to look less guilty is to make Eve look more guilty. You pass the buck. That's the essence of all judgment. Uh, I, I increase my worth by stealing a little bit of your worth i be thinking that you're less than. Well, that feeds me. At least I'm not like that. And then Eve blames the serpent. And we've been judging ever since. We're a little mini-accusers. Behind all the violence in the world throughout history is this. This judgment. Before someone kills someone, they have to judge them as not worth living. So the strategy of the enemy now, we can see, is, is, is twofold. Um, first... First, the enemy deceives us into thinking that we have the right to define reality according to our preferences. And he leads us, by appealing to our preferences, down a track where we begin to believe in and act on an alternative reality. And then, step two, he takes these alternative realities and puts them in collusion. And that's how he divides. Conquer and divide. That's always his strategy. Now, as ambassadors of the kingdom, we have got to know... Uh, what the enemy is up to. We can't be ignorant of his designs. We have to be aware of that. Our job, most fundamentally, is to get our thinking and our living to line up with what is true as defined by God. Our job is to get our preferences to be conformed to the truth as defined by God so that what we end up preferring is what God prefers. That's our job, to bring this alignment. It's not to try to use our preferences to decide what is true, no, we decide what is true first, and then we get our life to conform to that. But to do that, to do that, we have to resist the pull of the powers. We have to resist the, 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 the pull of the demonic forces that are always driving us into alternate realities and then pitting our alternate realities against one another. That pull is always there. It's constant. Satan doesn't sleep. But you will only feel the pull when you begin to resist it. If you're not feeling the pull, you're being pulled by the pull, and that feels normal. Start to resist it, and you'll feel the pull. This is why Paul says this in in Ephesians 6, another passage I come back to a lot, because I think it's just so important. Our struggle, Paul says, is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These uh, rulers and authorities and, and dominions and, and cosmic powers that Paul talks about, these are all, in a first century context, they're agent, they're understood to be agents, cosmic agents, that have been given authority over aspects of the earth and, and, and uh, human society. But they're now using that authority at cross purposes with God. They're in rebellion. And these agents now carry out Satan's schemes, his designs, which always involve us being divided, dividing us. Uh, Jesus tells us that, that Satan comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10.10. 10. So that's all, that's all he's interested in, uh, to kill, steal, and destroy as much of humanity as possible. This is pure evil operating here, and he does it by means of the powers, and the scheme is always to divide and conquer. The the powers are always out They're trying to get us To think that flesh and blood is the enemy That's how they get the alternative Realities to collide with each other And they're trying to get us to identify The other person, another flesh and blood person As our enemy, so that we're shooting at them Instead of at the powers If you're shooting at one another, you're not shooting at us In fact, if you're shooting at one another You're being played by us Because that's what the powers are always up to Identify, there's your enemy, there's your enemy Silence that enemy But we've got to know that the flesh and blood, it's not our enemy. If it's got flesh and blood, if it's a human being, it's someone we're supposed to be fighting for, not someone we're supposed to be fighting against. And the way that we fight for them is by fighting against the powers that are trying to get us to identify them as the enemy. The way that we fight for folks is by refusing not to love them, by refusing to be played, by refusing to identify them as the enemy. So we're either resisting the powers— by refusing to have a human enemy, by refusing not to love, or we're being played by the powers. You know you're being played by the powers the minute you begin to feel that hostile attitude, and animosity, maybe even hatred towards that other human being. That's the problem with the world, that one right there. No, you, if we're doing that, we're looking at things from a natural point of view kind of point of view that everybody else has. But we're not—we're to have a distinct kingdom perspective knowing that there's powers at work in this world. And that doesn't undermine the moral responsibility of human beings uh, because we have the power to say no to them. But it does mean that looking at a human being is not the ultimate explanation for whatever it is you're against. There's powers there that are playing both of you. Our job is to resist that. Don't be ignorant of Satan's schemes. The scheme is to divide and conquer. So so just know this. Wherever there is unity and harmony to any degree among human beings, uh, the enemy is going to be at work to destroy that unity. That's a given. Whether you're talking about the unity of a marriage, or the unity of a group of friends, or the unity of a church, or the unity of uh, an organization, or the unity of the nation. (laughs) Uh, Wherever there's unity, the the enemy is out to destroy that. And the way he does it is by getting us to be siloed in alternate realities and then squish us together and fight over it, hoping that we'll self-implode, implode on one another with all of our judgments. Makes us many ju- accusers, and we start accusing one another. And that's the design of the enemy. Now, to not be ignorant of, of uh, Satan's schemes uh, is also it includes not being ignorant of the way that he's trying to divide and conquer, the, the tools that he uses. And One of the tools that he's using today that we need to know about is the internet and social media. Uh, Touched on that in the video as well. Uh, I don't think that—I'm going to say this at the start. uh, In the video, it presents the internet and social media as being the invention of Satan. All the forces of hell came together. I'm not there. Um, But, in fact, you see, I, I don't think social media is inherently evil. I don't think that Satan invented it. But I think he does use it. He can use it. There's, there's a world of wonderful things that the internet and social media has opened up to us. Really, it's, uh, it, it's really incredible. People are, are staying connected like never before. That's great. Uh, shopping has never been easier. It's a researcher's dream, man. There's so much on your fingertips if you're critical of the sources. But research, you can get so much more done without having to go to libraries and, and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's, just, it's just a wonder. Uh, if you find folks, it opens up a world of music that for a lot of folks that we never would have known before, I'm listening to music that I never dreamed I'd be listening to that I didn't even know existed until Spotify. Woo, look at that. You like that song? Well, here's a hundred others just like it. And so, yeah, that's great. It's expanded... My whole, for a lot of people, expanded their music repertoire. It's connected jobs with people who need those jobs. And through the internet, we are able to get, uh, connect don- uh, donors with the organs that they, they need. I mean, it's, it's been great on medicine. People uh, meet new friends with common interests from around the globe. That's a good thing. People connecting around common interests. And once in a while... Once in a while, people find true love, true love. Uh, They find it on the internet. You hear stories like that. Now, you also find some really scary train wrecks. Uh, But we're staying positive right now, okay? So, yay, social media. In fact, I would be talking to you right now if it wasn't for social media and the internet. So I'm a fan of the internet and social media. Hallelujah. I mean, what would you do in the middle of a pandemic uh, as a church if we didn't have internet and social media? I mean, it's, so, yay, social media, okay? I'm not a killjoy on social media. Not an old stogie, he doesn't like new technology. No, I'm acknowledging, it's got a lot of great stuff. But, but, we've got to know, in this fallen world, anything or anyone's potential for good is going to be balanced by an equal potential for evil. I call it the principle of proportionality. And I think it applies to everything, so far as I can see. The potential for anything or anyone for good is going to be balanced by a, a, a potential for evil. Uh, now, what, what usually happens is that, so, so precisely because social media has got such potential for good, we've got to know that it must have a balancing potential for evil. And we have to be looking for it. What typically happens is, is human beings, we see the good that a technology can bring about, and we go, yay, let's do it, so we invent it. And we don't think adequately enough about the negative unintended consequences of that new technology. And they're always there. They're always there. We usually don't pay attention to that until the negative consequences come around and bite us in the behind. But we kingdom people, we've got to just be aware that that there's always a potential there. Uh, And we have to be looking for it. Now, we could talk a lot about some of the negative social effects of social media uh, on teens especially, on, on adolescents. Uh, we have a whole generation that's growing up now with many of them addicted to social media. It's actually an official uh, condition now uh, that, that's acknowledged by the psychiatric uh, powers that be um, that they're, 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 they're addicted to social media. And that's forming the brains in a certain way. Anxiety is up, depression's up, uh, self-harm is up, uh, suicide ideation is up, uh, among, like 50, 50% in the last eight years, I think it was. Um, and so there's all these negative social repro- ramifications. We spoke about that, I think, a year ago in a series that that we had on social media. Uh, And so I'm not going to go over that now. I want to focus on one aspect, I think the most important aspect, perhaps, of the negative consequences of social media. And it has to do with our polarization. Um, It has this effect of radicalizing people and polarizing people. Uh, In fact, according according to many experts— And this is what that uh, Netflix documentary, Social Dilemma, is all about, which you may recall I assigned two weeks ago, so I'm assuming you've all watched that now. Uh, But those experts, many of whom were, in fact, all of them, had some role to play in in, in inventing this stuff, launching the internet and social media. But many of them are now saying that the craziness we're seeing now, the chaos we're seeing now, the hostility, the anger, the hatred, the tribalism that we're seeing now in America, but it's also popping up all over the globe, especially in democracies. And they're saying that this division is directly linked, at least to a large degree, to social media, to the internet. We've got to be aware of that. It's not hard to see how, how, how social media has this effect. It's like, when you open up your phone, oh, I, I meant to bring my phone up here. You, you, pretend like this is my phone. When you open up your phone, or, or your empty wallet, <laughs> uh, and you go online, you are— staring into the eyes of a supercomputer. And there's a supercomputer that's got its eyes on you. you just got to know that. Uh, and this computer is a million times smarter than you. Maybe more than that. Uh, this computer's been programmed by, uh, with, with cutting-edge neuroscience, the world's top experts on knowing how the brain operates, programmed this computer. And, and, and so it knows all there is to know, about brains, and it knows all there is to know about manipulating brains. And it's a million times smarter than you. And it's got one goal. It has no conscience. It's got no morality. It doesn't care whether something's good for you or, or, or harmful to you. Uh, it doesn't care whether it's age-appropriate, whatever. It's amoral, but it's got one goal. It's programmed to do this one thing, and that is to study your every move, to collect data from you. Ah, you clicked here. How long did you linger on that click? Oh, you, you liked this one, so it was longer. This one was shorter. Uh, what happened immediately after you saw this video? It's studying your every click, every move, every like. It, it, every time you like a Facebook page or whatever, it's studying that, measuring that, because it's learning more about you. It operates with logarithms and feedback loops, which enable it to, to learn. So it's a, a form of artificial intelligence. A very smart artificial intelligence. Studying your every move. For the first time in history, advertisers don't have to throw spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks when they advertise. They don't have to just market to a group. They can customize it to you. And, and uh, uh, they have a supercomputer and artificial intelligence to do just that. To learn what are your preferences. What exactly do you like? So that it can more efficiently manipulate you in the direction it wants you to go. And ultimately, it's to... Make money for advertisers. That's driving the whole thing. At every turn, in the industry, they actually call this growth hacking. Uh, They're actually hacking into your brain. If you imagine your brain like a computer, well, these are the experts at knowing how to hack into your brain and plant deeply seated messages to better manipulate you to better make money off of you. A coin dropped in the slot for me when I watched social media. When, when, when uh, Asa Rickens or whatever his last name was, uh, he's one of the he invented the infinite scroll. Uh, one of the ones who was uh, behind the launching of, of uh, uh, social media. But he says he says what's happened is that we have become we 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 used to be the customers that bought from the advertisers, but now we're the product that's sold to the advertisers. Uh, these advertisers pay these social platforms with their AI, with their artificial intelligence machine, enormous amounts of money to be able to hack into our brain to sell their products. And it all, it all operates by finding out what are your preferences? What do you prefer? What do you prefer? At every turn, it appeals to our preferences. So you, know, you like that song? Here's 10 more just like it. And what it's trying to do is, A, keep you online, Every aspect of social media is meant to be addictive because keeping you online and not out there in the real world is the goal. Because the more time they have, the more data they can collect, the more they can learn about you, the better they can sell you. And so our brains are being harvested from some very rich people who are using artificial intelligence to hack our brains and control us. Oh, that bugs me. It sounds almost science fiction, but it's true. Uh, you like this video, well, here's 10 more, just like it, oh, you like this chat room, here's, here's some, and, and every time it's pushing the boundaries a little further. Oh, you like this one, you might like this more. And, and it's learning about you, oh, you don't like that one, you like this one, and so then it leads it this way. Oh, it will lead you down that rabbit trail of preferences as far as you're willing to go. This is one of the reasons why social media has the, intense, uh, has, uh, the impact of, for a certain percentage of people, of radicalizing them, whether it's radical Islam or QAnon, or whatever. Always learning. You like conservative ideas? Well, here's a bunch of more. Uh, But but, but, but take it a little further. Would you like to go ultra-conservative? Or same thing with liberal. You like liberal? Well, here's a bunch more. All the while leading with our preferences. And see, as we go down this road, this path of preferences... As this computer leads us kind of like one cookie at a time, come on, you like this or like this? Oh, you like this one better? Okay, well, here, here you go, here you go. I feel like a rat in a laboratory. Oh, you like this kind of cheese? Okay, let's try that. Oh, you might like this kind of cheese better. And, this and as you go down that, that, that path, well, see, here's the thing. It's based on our preferences. And one of the things, and here's why, in social media, you've... You know, it's one thing to be given all your preferences with music, but when it comes to ideas and seeking out truth, you've got to be really careful. Because one, th- one of the things that, that, that artificial intelligence that's studying you knows is that one of your deepest preferences is to be right. We love to be right. We get a buzz off of being right. And when you're in a group of, with a group of people and you're all agreeing that you guys are right and you're bashing the ones who are wrong, admit it, you like it. There's a buzz. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, can you believe how stupid those people are? Can you how nasty they are? Can you believe how? And there's a buzz there. And the buzz is, we're righteous and they're not. We're right and they're not. And so the AI knows how to appeal to that. It wants to give you your preferences. And so as it leads you down this, this road of, of preferences, you like this way, well, maybe you like this a little bit more. And as it leads you down there, it will be confirming your rightness. Because that's how they keep you online. So, so. Everything that's presented to you will confirm what the artificial intelligence is learning you most like, what you most prefer. Uh, And so if there are facts or alleged facts that challenge your point of view, well, it will shield you from those. Because it knows that you don't like to see things that disagree with you. You don't prefer that because you prefer to be right. If you see things that disagree with you, well, your amygdala might get activated, and you might get angry and get offline, and then they lose you. So they want to keep you there, so they keep on confirming. You get confirmation, confirmation. All the facts are agreeing with this. And as you're going down this rabbit hole, you're know, you feeling that buzz, and then you meet other people who are on that same path. And, and they confirm your beliefs, and you confirm their beliefs. And now you find yourself down in a nice little alternative reality of your own making, or other artificial intelligence making, Uh, Because it's a world where what you prefer to be true is all believed to be true. And everything's been given to you to confirm that fact. And when you're in that uh, echo chamber uh, of how always having your beliefs confirmed and never negated, well, actually, social scientists say that what takes place there is a lot like what happens in a cult. Uh, You're getting brainwashed. You're getting brainwashed. And if you stay in that alternate reality, pour yourself into that too much, Well, see, here's because your beliefs are always getting confirmed and never challenged, your beliefs feel more and more obviously true. And the more obvious your truth feels, it's like the more you think any reasonable person would believe this. So anyone who disagrees with you must just not be reasonable. Or they're they're following fake news. Fake news is whatever the computer kept from you, all the challenging facts that didn't want you to see. Well, you you can dismiss them, calling it fake news. So the more that you, you see these people are just stupid, or they say they care about truth, but they really don't care about truth. They're out to destroy America. Oh, Lord, help us. And then the, the longer you stay in that alternate reality, the less you even begin to desire to talk to the other side, to learn about the other side, to understand. Why do you think the way you think? You don't even desire that because, no, look, at they're not reasonable. And you can't really have a dialogue with unreasonable people, and they don't really care about truth. So why would we dialogue with them? And at that point, the only goal becomes to win. To silence them. And then, the if you stay in that zone in time, you not only don't desire to have a dialogue with them, you'll lose the capacity to have a dialogue with people who disagree with you fundamentally. Your brain gets hardened. Now, you can reverse that. But in that state, our categories get rigidified. And you can get to the point where a person is so convinced that what they are believing is true that they can't even conceive of the possibility of being wrong. They can't imagine the world being different than the world that they're in that's built around their preferences. (sighs) At that point, if you can't reason with somebody, if you can't dialogue with them, well, the only thing that's left is to rage. To go gorilla like we said last week. They get mad, and it starts by using, having violent thoughts about people. And I don't mean thoughts of killing them, but just thoughts of animosity towards them. But that can evolve, and in time, that can become physical violence. And that, folks, I think, explains kind of where we're at here in America right now. Um, This polarization of this country. And it's, like I said, it's happening around the world. And frankly, it's, it's pretty scary. A strictly natural level, it's very scary. Uh, we've never been here before. This is, we are in new uncharted territory. Here's the thing. Up until around 20 years ago, maybe 24 years ago at the most, uh, up until then, we, we, we all had to navigate the same reality, okay? the same, same physical world. And, and so we could have radically different interpretations of things, and God knows we've fought over those and whatever, but at least we had some, some common things to talk about. Facts were facts, Facts were facts, and the stubborn world of facts—that stubborn world of facts—it kept our, our our inclination to think that we can define truth to be defined uh, on the basis of our preferences. It, it kept that in check. It's like our our, our alternative realities couldn't drift too far apart because we had to navigate the same middle center. We had a common court of appeals. We could disagree about the interpretation of facts, but there still was facts to appeal to, common ground. But see. What's happened in the last 20-some years is we've been losing that common ground, a common reality, common facts. And now to a large degree. Um, see, folks, uh, there's nothing in common. This group over here, all the while that they were being led by they, their artificial intelligence, led down this, they were giving confirmations. All facts agreed with them, and that's what kept them online. And they former a group over here. Right, so they've got their set of facts because all the other facts were shielded from them. But the same is true for this other group. As they went down this path, this wormhole, this silo into their alternate reality, well, they, the facts were cherry-picked for them. The ones that confirmed their beliefs. And, and, they, and the ones that have fake news are the other group. But that's what the other group's thinking. So what are you going to talk about? There's nothing to talk about if there's no common ground. The only thing left to do is to Rage to fight. And that's the state that we find ourselves in. No shared ground. And both groups, they don't desire to uh, learn from the other group because they've got nothing to say to them. And not only do they not have the desire, but many won't even have the capacity. It's inconceivable that this other group could possibly have anything to teach us. We are team right. We are the good ones. And that's what they're saying. And if we're good, then you must be bad. But if we're good, then you must be bad. Hello, America. That's where we are. And how did we get here? We got here by the same means we got kicked out of the garden. We allowed ourselves to be sucked into an alternate reality of our own preferences. It, see, it, what the social media does, it, 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 it plays to that fallen inclination of ours to think that we can define reality by our preferences. We get to choose what, what is true. Uh, re- reality will conform to what I, I, what, what I like. What I, and, it's, and it's deep-seated stuff. It may not even be stuff you know you like, but that AI knows you better than you do. And so all the while, preference and preference, that leads us into these alternate realities. And, and what, what social media does, like it does with everything else, it puts a megaphone to that. Social media is our, our, our fallen inclination to uh, believe what, uh, to think that our preferences can define reality. It, it, it puts a megaphone to that. It, it, it's that on steroids. And for the same reason, then, it puts our judgments on steroids, uh, the clash between alternate realities becomes more and more violent, and that's what we're seeing today, as people are siloed. Uh, it's not—we're being played, folks. We're being played. Ephesians 6.12, we are being played massively right now. I think the enemy's laughing all the way to the bank. Now, it's not clear how we're going to reverse this. In fact, it's pretty easy to feel kind of hopeless. Uh, in the Netflix documentary, Social Media, at one point— uh, one of these executives says, you know, we launched this thing and now we're saying, what, what have we done? As we're seeing this chaos that results from it, we're asking, what have we done? Uh, it's like we let a genie out of the bottle and we can't get it back in. And so it's easy to feel kind of hopeless. Uh, I, I'll say this, there is, there is, it's not quite as hopeless as it may seem because the pattern of, of, of human history has been, we see a technology, we anticipate the good that it could do, its potential for good, but we don't consider its potential for evil. We don't consider, uh, at least not adequately, the possible negative consequences of this technology until it comes around and bites us in the behind. And then we, we start looking at how can we regulate this technology to minimize its negative side effects. That's kind of been our pattern with every new development. And that's happening now with social media. Uh, only in the last maybe five, ten years have people started to really get concerned with this. But there are folks that are, are, are uh, like the, 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 Humane, the Center for Humane Technology who are right now working very hard to say we've got to reel this back. We've got to, uh, you know, curb what these AIs, the data they can collect on us, and, and so on and so on. So there's that kind of hope. We may work this out. The question is, is are we going to figure out how to regulate it before we implode on ourselves? That's the, the question. But whatever happens there, folks, we have got to know that as ambassadors of of the kingdom, our job is always the same. And at its heart, it it means we have to resolve. We will not be played, which, by the way, is the title of this message. We will not be played. To be a faithful ambassador is to live in a kingdom narrative. The narrative, the story that God gives us and tells us is True. That's what it means to be a faith. We're living that narrative where God is a God of love and God died for, for, for us and for the whole creation uh, to free us from the power of the corrosive effect of the, 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 uh, of the principalities and powers. Uh, we're to live in this narrative where we understand that we are ambassadors, and so we're, we're foreigners here in this land. This is not our home. Our job is to represent the character of our king and, our king, and, and of our kingdom uh, to the world around us, to be good news to the world around us by demonstrating the truth of God's love to people in every way, shape, and form. Our call is to live in the narrative where we know that the love of God that was revealed on Calvary wins in the end. It's not the it's not the, the one with the most power over people that wins. It's not the tanks and the bombs and the bullets and the guns and all the rest. No, the winner doesn't go to the biggest army. The winner goes to the greatest lovers. Uh, the ones who can replicate Calvary in their life. The promise of God is that that will win. And when, when, when that kingdom is established, it will never, never end. Hallelujah. Uh, that's the narrative we're to be living in. Uh, to be faithful to the call of representing that self-sacrificial love. We've got to be trusting in that self-sacrificial love and relying on nothing else. To live as as a faithful ambassador is to live in that narrative, which means we can't get sucked into any other narrative. Or even have our kingdom narrative corrupted by being sprinkled with other narratives. We're not to be living in the democratic or the republican narrative, the liberal, the conservative narrative, this conspiracy or that conspiracy narrative. No, no, no. Our job is to live in this kingdom narrative. To eat, breathe, think, live this, identify with it, make it our being. That's what it is to be a faithful disciple. See, and if you're living in the kingdom, well, it becomes evident by things like this. If you're really living in that kingdom narrative and not getting sucked into the polarizing narratives, well, then you'll disagree with people, but you're not gonna let your emotions get hijacked from it because you're not getting your life from that. Um, you, know, you may find that, that uh, there's times where, uh, well, you'll, if you're living that kingdom narrative, you'll desire to understand a person. You're not gonna dismiss them, cancel them. If you're living in this kingdom narrative, You'll always see other opponents as human beings, as individuals, as complex people who've got unsurpassable worth because the truth is they are human beings, complex people who've got unsurpassable worth. And our main job, as we dialogue with them, is to manifest that truth in the way that we dialogue with them. If you're living in the kingdom narrative, you may be unsettled by the state of our country right now and worried about our future. That's natural but you're not going to be having a meltdown. You're not going to be freaking out because you understand that as an ambassador, this is not your home. Uh, you understand as an ambassador, all your hope is in Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. And so while this concerns you, your identity's not in that, and so you're not going down with that ship. If you're, if you're living in a kingdom narrative, you'll think about politics probably uh, now and then, but you won't become obsessed with them. I'll just close with this. Paul says in in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that a a good soldier uh, does not become overly... Here, no one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. So he's he's not talking about an ambassador here. He's talking about a soldier, but it has the same point. He's thinking of a soldier stationed in in a a foreign land. And that soldier is never to, to, to forget that you're a soldier representing a different land. Uh, You have different interests. Your your job is to please your enlisting officer. So don't get too entangled in everyday affairs. At the very least, if if we let ourselves get sucked into one of these alternative realities, at the very least, it's a waste of time. Uh, You you really want to be spending five hours a day dealing with this conspiracy theory or that conspiracy theory or whatever, I would encourage us, keep your eye on the ball. our, take that time and take that energy and take that passion and put it into kingdom stuff. Calvary-looking stuff. Serving others kind of stuff. At the very least, it could be a waste of time. Having said that, I'd like to turn it over to, I'd like to call up our, our distinguished panel.
3: Thanks, Greg. Uh, my name is Dan Kent. Uh, I am so excited to be here to do this q and A. I I think uh, the addition of the Q&As to our sermons is probably... Uh, it's got to be my favorite thing that we've added since uh, the pandemic hit. So I'm really excited to be a part of it. And uh, I can't believe we didn't do these before the pandemic. What a great opportunity to uh, capitalize and to get more out of each sermon. And so I am uh, with Cedric Baker and I am with Greg Boyd, who just flew in from Maplewood after giving that really great <laughs> message. And, well, uh, we're in New York. <laughs> that's right. I'm trying to build interest. It no you know, difference. like, it, yeah, it, it puff it up a little bit. Uh, okay. So we have some questions already. Already. Some really good ones. and right. You can still send them if you've got like a hot question you want to send in. Don't delay. Send it in. We'll, we'll get to it hopefully. If we don't get to it today, we'll get to it on the newscast on Tuesday. Uh, the first question uh, I'm going to ask is okay, so we're ambassadors in this strange land called Earth. We're ambassadors for, ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And yet so many people here in this place that we are ambassadors for are on social media. So how can I be an effective kingdom presence on social media as an ambassador of the kingdom of God? Uh, Cedric, what, 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 do you, what do you think of that?
4: I think that's a really good question. I'm thinking right now even more specifically based on the social discourse that's going on right now. I um, uh, Greg, you brought it up around just politically what's happening and we have an election coming up. And so there are a lot of different alternative realities happening yep. uh, right now. And I feel like it's more important to be that ambassador, that kingdom ambassador than never before <laughs> on social media. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about and listening, uh, Greg, to your sermon was uh, do everything in love. Mm -hmm. and that is to me important even if i disagree uh with someone um i was thinking about even more specifically when we find out or run up against different things that our friends on social media or people that uh, we know are saying that we disagree with it's more important about how you interact Mm -hmm. almost more so than if you agree or disagree with them and one of those things that I feel like we can do is be very careful in our interactions um, with them Um, I think that Jesus is just as uh, he's just as um, interested in what we say and the spirit and how we say it Mm -hmm. as well so when it's all said and done if I disagree with somebody and I know they're wrong um, and I say they're wrong in a very uh, judgmental way um, am I really pushing forward the kingdom of God in that conversation um, am I just trying to make them look bad or look stupid right, right, or right. look foolish yeah. um, on social media and I think that as kingdom bearers we need to be responsible in making sure that we're thoughtful in how we 're interacting on social media and making sure that we're having more of a loving approach and even if if I disagree with someone, I do think that God's, my responsibility in in living out the word of God says to me that when I interact with that person, I need to be able to show the love of God, be able to say something that is more loving specifically right now because nine times out of ten, they're not, they think you're going to say something um, negative to them. Yeah. Anyways, and so being able to flip that to really show uh, God's grace I think um, Mm. is, is really important yeah
3: don't you think don't you guys think that um, if if you reject a person because they disagree with you to the extent that you reject a person for things that they disagree with you on is the extent to which your love for them is conditional and it's (laughs) not agape love I mean it seems like if you are loving a person it should be okay to disagree it should be okay to have a different opinion about stuff and so the degree to which you silo or you separate from somebody because of their perspective on something isn't it just showing that that's not really agape love i I, i'm not sure dan i i want to say yes to that but
2: it depends what you mean by reject uh there's times where I have had to decide okay this isn't a good investment of my time and energy Uh, and this isn't going anywhere and so I I just ignore that I'm not gonna try to engage in that you can only hit your head against a brick wall Uh, what's important though is is why you maybe make that decision and it shouldn't be out of anger or hatred or animosity Uh, but it's also the case that I mean some of the the things that you're discussing can be really challenging. I mean, because it, it can represent evil to you. It, you're talking to a person who, yes. and and uh, yeah, so, so it, it's, it it doesn't sound like just oh difference of opinion. Right. It, it has a feel of good versus evil, mm-hmm. and that complicates the situation. You're still called to love uh, and struggle against the principalities and powers. That that uh, that's where the blame for evil goes. That's to be our assumption, um, but it, man, it makes it really challenging.
4: Yeah. Dan, I'm also not convinced that we need to respond to every single thing that we see on social media. Um, I think we want to, it's our preference to do it, but to be honest with you, I think some of the stuff that I see, I'll speak for myself, some of the stuff that I see that I want to respond to, um, in the back of my head, I probably know I shouldn't, no. um, but there's something kind of <laughs> pulling me to uh-huh. say, "But you're wrong, and I need to show you why you're wrong, and again, the spirit of the thing, like, why? how am I interacting with that person? What, a, what do I think? think that I'm going to say at this point, um, as I scroll to see 800 other comments of (laughs) someone saying something to this person, like, what am I going to change? And I just kind of want to get on the bandwagon. So I think right now, I'm learning to just be quiet more so than I probably would have just to um, not stir up a lot of a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's good. It's,
2: like, it's like, you know, we're called to be evangelists, so we, we want to go to the marketplace. But but what do you do when the marketplace is nothing but a riot? <laughs> and that's kind of what the, the, the social media is, the marketplace, that's where people meet, right? Yeah. But it's a riot. And to the point where it's so toxic that, like i try tried to do this, I, I want to model, you know, I want to model decency and respect and all that. And so if, if, you, if, if you see a fight going on, it might say, or if, especially if there's a pile on, you know, people are just like, "Oh, this is terrible." This is... And to say, "Well, there might be one good thing in that," you know, you know, find something positive. Well, then you become the target. So, yeah, it's 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 dicey
3: out there. Yeah. It's dangerous.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> well, good. Uh, so. Social media we know or at least I know is addicting and so this question is how can I proactively avoid getting addicted to it? What can I do to make myself less well? You're likely? The therapist. <laughs> well, I, I'll say a couple things about it. Um, I, I would the, would. the first thing I would say is uh, addictions feed on uh, emotional insecurities, and so uh, I would say like if you are feeling lonely if you are feeling anxious if you are feeling depressed uh, Social media is probably not the place to go because uh, the algorithms and the content are, are, are kind of designed to push you further into states and you don't want to you don't want to put yourself in a vulnerable situation if you're having those emotions and so the better you get at emotional intelligence and learning how to deal with emotions uh, you know on your own the more prepared you're going to be to, to enter social media the second thing I would say is uh, attention is a resource hmm. and and we tend to think of attention as whatever it is that's hitting my consciousness and it's not it's attention is not just your movie screen it's a resource it's like money that's why we say pay attention because it's you have only so much attention that you can give
2: that's what they're harvesting
3: that's right (laughs) and so the more you can look at your attention as a resource and instead of saying what can I do to entertain myself say is this a good investment of my attention Uh, I think the the better you're going to be on social media because I think you can you can make wiser choices and look for things to invest your attention in that will give you a good return on that investment instead of just satisfy your attention, so. What'd you really say,
2: uh, I, I, what, I think add to that, um, if you're really serious, uh, one of the things that really fascinated me about social media, about social dilemma, that the documentary, is that uh, at, towards the end, these, these experts who designed this whole thing, uh, set it all up, they know it's addictive. It was designed <laughs> to be addictive, and then they get addicted to it. Yeah. And the guy says that he goes, "I designed it. I know how it's supposed to work, and it still works on me." Yeah. Uh, so uh, breaking addiction can be, you know, pretty hard. Yeah. Um, But I think that accountability is always, if you're serious about breaking it, you need someone to be holding you accountable, someone to be checking in on you, someone to help you do that, to be encouraging you. Uh, Because like any other addiction, it can be really hard to break. It is,
3: yeah, definitely. Uh, What's the big deal about media tailored to my preference? Okay, so if I'm on you know, YouTube and I'm watching a video of a comedian, big deal. They recommended another comedian that, you know, if I like this one, I'll probably like that one. Uh, this person wants to know, how is that causing all of this siloing? How is that a, a big deal? What do you guys think about that?
2: I, I, I'll it seems jump in so on that. innocent, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I, 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 on one level it totally does. I, and I even celebrated it earlier. Spotify, yeah, I love great. Spotify. And so it leads you into, you know, it follows your preferences, learns about you, and can give you the, mu- the, the music that's just perfect for you. you know, right. it's, just, it's wonderful. But see, and, and that is innocent in, in, in and of itself, but it does that with everything. It, it, everything is tailored to your preference, and so It only becomes overtly dangerous when when it's it's leading you in idea uh, frameworks and searching for truth. But the whole thing, what it does is it just plays into this assumption that we have as fallen beings that reality is supposed to conform to my preferences. And it keeps massaging that. And, and so we lose, it's like any other kind of muscle. If you don't use it, you lose it. And so the muscle that we have uh, to, uh, to say no to our preferences, uh, to instead bring our preferences to, in conformity with the truth as God defines it, we lose that ability. Mm-hmm. We're just so used to getting it our way. Everything goes our way, our way. And so then it, it sets that up. It makes discipleship very hard. Because it's, it's contrary to our nature. Everything about this preference society is contrary to discipleship. The word means to be disciplined, which means to say no to some of your preferences. Yeah. You don't always get it your way because you're, you're striving to get it his way. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I, 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 would, I would encourage folks to limit their, yeah. their, their time on, on social media. If for no other reason than for that reason. Yeah. It, it will make you lazy. It, it makes you, <laughs> it really, it turns you into a, yeah. the, oh, the quintessential customer. I get it my way. Yeah. And this is why people, we're so used to getting it our way that if there's one thing wrong, we leave. You know, oh, this isn't the kind of music I want at church, so I got to go, because mm-hmm. I get to have it my way. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure that they probably already have worship services where AI <laughs> will just lead you to the perfect worship service. <laughs> oh, you like that worship service, but yeah, the preacher wasn't so good. Well, here, try this one out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, mm-hmm.
4: not the way God would have it. Yeah. The only thing I would add to that is... Uh, Thinking about that question, I was thinking about First Corinthians. I think it's 10:23 when Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, specifically around idolatry. But he says, even though things are certain, they're lawful. I can do them. It doesn't mean that it's helpful. Yeah. It could be lawful, but it doesn't mean that it's edifying or it builds me up. That's good. Or I think one of the words he used uh, translations is, it's profitable to me. So just because you can get on social media and you can infinitely scroll does not mean that it is actually beneficial for you. It doesn't mean that it's helpful for you. Hmm. That doesn't necessarily constitute directly as sin but it could lead you down a road to what you both were saying that, is it worth your time? Is it worth your investment? So I think as Christians, we need to also think about it that way. Um, Yes, I can do it. Yes, I can get some of these things. But is it beneficial for me? Is this building me up? Is this edifying me? Um, Is this making me profitable in Mm -hmm. certain ways? That's
2: good. Knowing that it has this uh, damaging effect, if if you do too much. So moderation. In general, uh, it's called for, but that, yeah. that that requires a lot of discipline. In some ways, yeah. moderation is a harder discipline than total exclusion. <laughs> now, if you're addicted, you might need to total exclude for a while, but but uh, uh, try to live in a balance there. And one way to think about it is um, how does my time spent being entertained and getting my preferences on social media? How does that compare with my time spent with the Lord uh, in prayer and in, in doing disciplines? Uh, you know, studying the reading scripture or whatever. Uh, you know, and that's. And Dan that, just got convicted hurts. right now. I, I can see <laughs> the conviction hurts, brother. This is the time to repent.
3: Hallelujah! Come to Jesus. <laughs> well, I think I remember when when Facebook began too, began doing. Yeah, I remember when Facebook began doing the algorithms, mm-hmm. and I noticed that like you know somebody I knew would post something. I can't find it because they used to post like whenever it posted, that's when it would go up. But now it's all tailored and mm-hmm. algorithmed and all that kind of stuff. And 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 here's what I would say about that, just in general. Uh, if you if you surround yourself with things that are perfectly tailored to you life can be very comfortable but don't expect to grow as a person mm. no because you only grow when you're confronted with something else there you, you only grow when you surround yourself with people who are different than you right not with people who are just like you that's you're not going to grow then and so i think social media is just sort of like this idea of surrounding yourself with yourself on steroids and, absolutely uh, yeah um okay good well man we got so many good questions here uh Okay, obviously social media is a tool that Satan uses to pull us down all sorts of wormholes that are probably not good for us. Uh, why can't God appeal to our senses and pull us in the same way? Or does God have the same type of gravitational pull uh, mm. that pulls us to him? Um, that's, a, that's an interesting
4: question. I agree. Uh, I'll take a stab at it. Um, when I was thinking of, When you were saying that question, I was thinking that um, we still have free will. Yep. And he has not removed, God has not removed that from us. Uh, but I do think that God is always trying to find ways to influence us and get our attention, either to spend time with him or move in the direction. But from Greg's message today, that there are competing forces against that. And so because we do have free will, I don't think God lobotomizes us to say yeah. that you must go down this direction and you must do it. Right. But we have to also remember that um, The forces are at play and they're very strategic and the more we have more information about how they work, the better we can navigate them. That's good.
2: Uh, C.S. Lewis at at some point um, said that uh, he makes a distinction between, he says uh, Satan wants to give us uh, what we think we desire, but God tries to draw us what we really desire. Yeah. And, and I think the Spirit of God is always working on us to give us what we really desire instead of what we prefer. Yeah. Uh, our, this fallen self wants to be Lord, and so we want to be able to define all reality. And we think that's what we want. But that's a mistake that's not what we really want what we really want is a fullness of life and that can only be gotten through Jesus Christ mm-hmm. uh, so one thing to add to all this is uh, don't hope to be good at fighting against the powers t- unless you're getting your core worth and significance and value from Jesus Christ because if, wa- if you walk on the internet hungry for that affirmation needy uh, you know wanting someone to affirm you, well now that's the tool the enemy will use to lead you down the rabbit trail
3: Jesus gives us what we really want mm. Yeah, nothing else Yeah, that's good. I think one thing that comforts me is that how many times in the Bible the Bible tells us to seek God. Because oh, it's yeah. not, sometimes it's just not obvious. You have to seek. You have to fight. Seek God like a treasure. And and the things that are really valuable, they're not going to come as easy as the things that are destructive. Mm. And uh, and so that's always made me feel like, okay, that makes sense. God, you have to, you have to seek it. But it's going to be better for you. It's going to be yep. something that fills you in the way that you talked about. Uh, I think we have time for one more question. So I'm going to ask this one. Let's see. Um, what if I... Well, let me... Let me edit it. Well, I'll just read it as it is. Uh, my husband, Dan, is addicted to social media. Barbara Schendel. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I, if, if I am addicted to social media, what can I do? How, how can I break that addiction?
4: What do you think? so greg told us all to look at uh the netflix uh, movie uh social dilemma and at the end of that movie um listening to some of the experts and those that were the creators of the content that we're even talking about today like the infinite scroll other things One of them said, and and I tried to take advantage of some of the things and tips that they use to either break your habit or uh, loosen the grip that social media has. And one of the tips that they brought up was removing notifications off of your phone. And I did it, and I actually was amazed the amount of time before then that I would just go to my phone just because I saw notifications on it, which kept me there. And scrolling, 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 and time, time, time. But now, um, because I don't have those automatic beeps and notifications that I have um, on my phone, I'm less likely to pick up my phone, which means that I'm less likely to get on a lot of these social media platforms. So to me, that is a very practical tip at least that's working so far. Mm. So I'm really grateful on, on that. And um, the infinite beeping of a light on your phone to show that you have a message or something like that, mm. you'd be surprised. When that goes away, um, your attention to your phone, actually, it's, it's a lot less. So mm. one, one small tip. That's good.
2: And it's important to remember that all those notifications and all that, are specifically designed yeah. to get you on and to keep you on yeah and and they have a little reward we get a little dopamine rush mm-hmm. uh like oh somebody liked a tweet i did how many likes did i get somebody liked my facebook photo and 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 yeah so it's a constant interruption of life Bing, oh. and, and we're conditioned like Pavlov's dog oh i must get it uh yeah you got to cut <laughs> off that 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 source there uh, the other thing is is um uh, you know, we, I think with all addictions, uh, you, you have to replace it with something. Mm-hmm. And so, to, if, if, if you're on that, you have to find something else. Uh, and spiritual disciplines would be a good place to start uh, to pour into your time. And and uh, and then in, in your mind, you have to get it. In, like the, the reward there is immediate; it's instantaneous. it's it's, it's sensational. It's, it appeals to your senses. Whereas with spiritual disciplines, we have to have faith, and faith is about a vision. Uh, and so have a vision of the kind of person you could become if you pour this amount of time into this discipline uh, and, and in, in prayer or in fellowship with others or what have you. But to replace that, I think, is, is, is uh, re- really important. That's great.
3: But the one that really got me where I realized, wow, I'm really being played here is the little dot, dot, dot when somebody's responding. Well, the and then you just wait, you know. And I remember the first time I saw those three <laughs> dots, I thought, oh, that's so nice that technology is telling me that the other person is writing. How nice of them. No, 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 it's not nice. It's just meant to keep me looking at it and it works. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting. Absolutely. Wait. When Absolutely. are you going to hit enter already, you know? Well, I know,
2: and I hate that. And sometimes <laughs> they decide, nah, gonna do it. I spent five minutes looking at the ellipses. But it was designed yeah. for the purpose of, they found that after. A lot of people, they would text. This is what I always do. I text, and then I just you know, forget about it. Yeah. Uh, and then when I get around to it, I'll check to see, oh, did they answer yet? But this is a way of keeping you on. Yeah. That's always the goal. Yeah. Collecting more data, harvesting mm-hmm. your brain. In order to control you better, in order to make more money off of you, yeah, you are the product. The,
3: the one thing I would add to this is that what helps me is realizing that everything that social media provides and all the good feelings that it provides is one level removed, removed from reality. That's right. And, and like, if because we have all these basic needs as people, we we're designed to want attention. And in being part of a loving relationship, part of that is you get attention. And we're, we we love beauty. Beauty is good, and we uh, want to feel like we belong, and we want to feel like we're significant. Significant. and social yep. media offers a sort of a, a fake like a mimesis like a right, a, right. a, 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 a like a, a faulty or a false version of that right. that we can kind of get sucked into but it's always one level removed from reality mm-hmm. even because you know we want to connect with people but on social media it's not real connection no because it's not really us that's on social right, media right. it's a it's a curated version of ourselves and so even though we get the little dopamine hit we're not getting fed in the deep way that we right, want to right, be fed we're, fed feeling that we're meant to be fed because we that's know right.
2: that what they're interacting with is not us it's our presentation that's right and uh, yeah. yeah so and that's where I think these kids—they uh, they get the dopamine rush. They're yeah. addicted. They—Who likes me? Who doesn't? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, uh, it, it leaves them unfulfilled, and that's why there's anxiety and depression, and all those other things that's that right. are, are skyrocketing right now.
3: Yeah. So, if, if you are addicted to social media, that's been helpful for me—is just recognizing that it's. It's not real. It's 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 a false reality. It's just enjoy it for what it is. It's a way to connect. But hey. try to use it as a tool to connect offline. Use it as a way to connect with people so that you can ah, do things and in, in real of it. in real mm-hmm. life. That's right. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, uh, time is already out, so I have to close this off here. Uh, remember if you have more questions, I will probably deal with a couple of the ones I didn't get to on the Musecast on Tuesday. We also have uh, gathering groups on Tuesday evening and uh Uh, Thanks a lot for being with us, and we'll see you next weekend.